Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Rob Brydon, yeah, yeah. He'd definitely do a job as the police escort. Towards two nights before Christmas, we know you'll be bored, so here's more football nonsense from the late Andrew Ward. I'm Andy Baxter, and this is Fans of Football, the nation's drunkest football podcast. Hello, Dan. How are you? Oh, yeah, that was a great start. It was. You came in a little bit earlier. didn't get a chance to say that I'm joined by Darren, the Yorkshire Reindeer. Well, as I was saying before we started recording, I don't think reindeers, particularly flying reindeers, would survive on the clifftops of Flamborough Head. So. But, yeah, it's f- thankfully, at time of recording, we've just got out of this weird tropical arctic like was it like minus six every morning where you were it was it was horrible it really was it it did get down to um something silly and you know having to defrost the cars where they just thick with ice and ah it just chills you to your bones it's not nice (sighs) but as you say thankfully we seem to be over it yeah and then yesterday it was like 13 degrees i wonder if it's a record i mean we always ask these nerdy questions. Granted, they're usually about football, but nerdy weather question, which kind of ties in because we're doing the Wardy episode. Is it the the most severe change of temperature between two days from like minus seven to 13? It's like 20 degrees change overnight. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it is, it's gotten quite mild. The last few years, in as sort of Christmas goes, the extremes are getting um, a bit different, aren't they? But I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask about weather records. I'm afraid. Maybe we'll get Wardy's next book. So anyway, why, 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 why are we here, Daz? Why are we here? Well, we're here. It's not quite our Christmas special because we haven't got our third piece of the mistletoe with us. But what it is is, it's like a pre-Christmas. As we were discussing before we started recording, this is like the pre-Christmas week where you're kind of winding down, you know, you're doing a bit of work, but you're not really that into it. My phone, when I left the house, my work phone had 3% battery, ran out of battery before I even got to work and I haven't charged it up yet. So, you know, it's that kind of week. Yeah, doing very little, best I can. Yeah, just stay in. Have some ales, eat some turkey or non-meat substitute if that's what you fancy. Although, come on, it's mm. Christmas. Get a grip. Have a, have a pig in blanket. Grow up. <laughs> well, not that it's your cup of tea, but I was enjoying some quality street. I, I suppose, yeah. Christmas. In the same way I'd say grow up and have a pigs in blankets, most people would probably say grow up and have a chocolate. Have but, some chocolate, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I um, was successful in my... In my hunt for twiglets, though, 
I went Winglets. to loads of different shops and couldn't find them at all. And um, yeah, there was two boxes left in Morrison's when I went in yesterday. So uh, yeah, managed to get my hands on some. Twiglets chocolate? No, but they? they were quite hard to come by this year. I don't know. I don't know what flavour they are. Are they like... They're brown <laughs> and crunchy. It rhymes with piglet. So is it like pork scratchings? I suppose it does. No, I don't. they're vegetarian. Are they? <sighs> you see, the Wikipedia isn't very helpful. It just says they're a wheat-based a wheat based snack. That sounds gross. Yeah, exactly. So why are you so desperate for them? They're lovely. The taste has been compared to that of Marmite, which is strange because I don't like Marmite. I wonder if you dip, dip them in... Dip Marmite. twiglets in Marmite. Do you reckon they'd taste nicer? It might be too intense. Mm. Anyway, you can tell we're winding down, can't you? Well, I'll tell you what. If, you, if anyone likes twiglets, do you know what, do you know what you'll love? A Baxter's Hard Bovril. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. that time of year. We finally made it to Hard Bovril weather. Hard Bovril, yeah. I like it. I remember what we said it was. Was it Bovril and... I don't think we officially came down one way or the other. It was just an alcohol. Hmm. Tom said he was going to do one at the AGM in January. I can't remember what, how it came about, but I was at a match one time and we just ended up talking about if we won, we'd get the most sort of random drink we could from behind the bar. And long and boring story short, we ended up drinking a lot of Perno and (laughs) I haven't been that drunk in a long, long time. Very easy to drink, and it gets you messed up. It's like aniseed. It's a lot like Sambuca, that kind of ballpark spirit. But, it, um, yeah, it gets you absolutely wrecked. Might be a good one to mix with Bovril. Bovril and Perno. As, as you say, get it done in the um, in the, in the the AGM. Yeah. What would you call it? A Pernril? A Bovno? Bovno. <laughs> Because then oh, it's no. kind of like it's got like, it's got its own little warning. It's like have a bov no. Yeah, it's, it's telling you not to do it. Anyway, people don't want to hear about Twiglets and Bovril. Maybe they do. <laughs> they probably do. Probably do. But no, we're not going to give them that. We're not going to give them that content. What we're going to do is we're going to open up this book, Football Strangest Matches. We're coming towards the halfway point now. Which. In some ways, is a relief. In some ways, is it's quite sad as well. It means that within the next two years, we're going to have to start thinking of something else to do when we finish this. Yeah, but equally, we've shown quite a lot of dedication to get through this far because some of it has been, you know, not easy. It's been a struggle. Yeah, some of it has. But I tell you now, without even... It's not a Christmas special, as I keep saying. That's that's for next time. But it definitely is a special episode because this next story we're about to do, the 50-second story, is it's worthy of a film. Maybe even like a Netflix series or something. Oh, like a six-parter. Yeah, you, you, you might get through it in six parts, but... We're going to try and get through it. It's, it's only two pages, but there's a lot of imagination to be had. And if this actually happened, this is the greatest. Mm. This is one of the greatest football stories of all time. And I actually dare say, so far, it is football's strangest story. Now, the problem I've got with it is that the book is actually called Football's Strangest Matches. And... It's not so much the match that's what makes it strange. It's the whole occurrence of the day and how it unfolds. So I'm going to jump straight in. I've not even renamed this story, so I'm going to give it the original Wardy title just because it, it pretty much tells you what's going to happen, but you will you will never believe the content until it unfolds. And it's called... The Nightmare Day Trip. And it's October 1961. Now, Baxter, have you had any Nightmare Day Trips before? Football or non-football? I've fallen asleep on the last train once and missed my stop. 
Um, that was a bad one. I mean, it's only like being caught in horrendous traffic and stuff, but that's not really noteworthy. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I threw up on a boat once when I was in school. Well, if all of those three things would have happened in the same day, you'd probably be about 10% there as to what happened <laughs> What happened in this story. Right. Prepare your ears because you're not going to want to miss this one. Gillingham thought they could travel to Barrow on the day of the game. Gillingham's Kent, isn't it? Yeah. That's a long way. Yeah, it is. Um, we're about to find out, actually. Oh, the yeah. journey, the journey from the mouth of Kent's River Medway to the tip of the Furness Peninsula in Lancashire, as it was called back then, was over three hundred miles, or anyone who's still working in kilometres, four hundred eighty-three. Has it been sold for naming rights? Has it that peninsula? Is it taking the sponsor sponsor on? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and. If you had a 300-mile journey to do and you needed to guarantee you'd make it, what would you probably pick as your first journey method? Um, Bearing in mind there's probably going to be like 30 of you. Train? Hmm. I mean, it's that or a coach, wouldn't you? but you, you run the risk of traffic on the, getting a big coach, don't you? It's also 1961, remember? Yes. A train leaving London, Euston. At 9.05 a.m. seemed a safe bet. So you were right there. Mm. One, the one thing I do like to imagine, though, is these days just a team of players on a train. <laughs> You'd never see it, yeah. would you? Just, they hadn't booked seats in advance. They're all just sort of milling around up and down trying to find somewhere to sit. Yeah, the manager's in first class and the rest have just been let loose in the standard yeah. class. <laughs> <laughs> Getting told off for buying a packet of nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, so the train left at 9.05. It seems a safe bet, says Wardy. The team should arrive with over an hour to spare before kickoff. Doesn't seem that... I mean, no, that seems to be cutting it a bit fine. Hmm. And kickoff was at 5.15 in Barrow, and Barrow had no floodlights. Mm. We're about three sentences in and you can already feel there's some risky business on its way yeah first came the 35 mile or 56.3 kilometer coach trip to Houston right they've hired a coach to take them to Houston could it not just take them the whole way if you've made the hassle of hiring a coach for 50 miles that's a good old chunk of the journey yeah it sounds like some bad logistics coming up here the coach made an early morning start but ran into heavy traffic and officials grew agitated the coach arrived at Euston half an hour after the train had left good Oof. the options remaining were not promising <laughs> I've definitely been there yeah the next train, the 10.25, would arrive one minute after kickoff. <laughs> um, I love the way they're still considering it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if they kick off and score a couple in the empty net, we can always run yeah. on and make it up. The coach would be too slow, apparently, and getting in individual cars would be very risky. There was only one possibility, and this is where it becomes insane. There was only one possibility. Aeroplane. Right. Imagine this. <laughs> Gillingham FC in like the third division or whatever they're in. <laughs> Roaming around London trying to hire their own aeroplane. Trying to find a, find a plane. <laughs> Can you take yeah. us to Barrow now? <laughs> Does Barrow even have an airport? I'd, I'd be surprised. <laughs> Club officials discovered two suitable scheduled flights, the 10.40 to Manchester and the 11 o'clock to Newcastle. Both were fully booked. They're not that suitable then, are they? No. <laughs> the next idea was to charter their own plane. Christ. Where are they getting all this from? Where are they, where are they getting the money for this? Yeah. Um... 
One was sorted out and arranged, but the company had to fly it from Gatwick to London Airport before they could leave. So the Gillingham party would be waiting. The cost of the plane was £500, and the company wanted the money in advance. <laughs> trust case, them. Yeah, exactly, in case they fled. Hmm. At this stage, Bex, how, like, give us a percentage of what do you think the chances are they're going to make it for this game? Well, they had a couple of setbacks early on, but at least they've been proactive and managed to sort this plane. So at this point, you know, they've still got half a chance, haven't they? Half a chance. What, 50% then? Maybe a bit more, I'd say, because they've, they've still organised. It's still morning time. It's probably not a long flight. Um, yeah, I'd give maybe a bit more. Okay. Maybe seven, 7 out of 10. Gillingham officials telephoned the Football League. They negotiated a 15-minute delay in kickoff time. Barely worth it. The players would be asked to forego the half-time interval, which really seems harsh for Barrow. Yeah, but nothing they've done wrong, is it? Unless, I mean, it just says the Gillingham players would be asked to forego the half-time interval. Maybe Barrow still got one. Yeah. But the Gillingham players just had to run on the spot for 15 minutes <laughs> as a punishment. So we've now got a 5.30pm kickoff. So the battle against daylight is going to be also a factor, I imagine, as we mm. come into the, the back end of this story. But when did you say it was? October? Yeah. It's going to be dark. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the next problem was the plane's destination. Oh, Christ. They decided to head to the nearest airport, which was at Squires Gate in Blackpool. Okay. 70 miles from Barrow. Still probably closer than Manchester and Newcastle, which is what they initially thought of. Yeah. This meant they would have to arrange another journey once getting off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> What a fast. I mean, no one would go to this hassle these days, would they? It would have been it, called off at 10 a.m. Yeah, immediately, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or just play it the next day, I guess. Do it on a Sunday instead. Get up there yeah, Saturday. That's the worst idea. But a coach was hired to meet them at Squires Gate. But as time slipped by, officials realised a coach would still be too slow. Nah. So then... Another really interesting twist here. Four four cars were hired and a police escort arranged. Oh, now we're talking. For what would be a hectic last leg of the trip. Imagine this. Just bombing it through the Lake District. All the cars <laughs> on the roads just being piled to the sides. And then there's just these four random hire cars bombing it through with, with police escort. I mean, how many people are in those cars? How important is this match? Well, I am that. The chartered flight left London at half two in the afternoon. Which, again, it just seems so late. It's three hours till kickoff now. Yeah. Again, fair play to them for Keeping it up and trying. Yeah, yeah. It's very intense though. It's very exciting. What you with three hours to go, what are you thinking now, chances wise of it of the game going ahead? We've had more setbacks, haven't we? Um Yeah, I I think someone in the office needs to have a word and say, Yeah, this this isn't going on today, is it last? Because after all, if you've still got to play a game, it's not as if they're just trying to get there, is it? Yeah. So at this point, do you reckon we'll make it to the final whistle? <laughs> no, somehow I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a good cliffhanger, though, isn't it? Yeah, we're only halfway through. <laughs> there were no motorways in the northwest. I oh, were another wardy bash. <laughs> ah dear, yeah. <laughs> the, the poorest region of the country, of course, <laughs> <laughs> followed very closely by the northeast. <laughs> Um, but apparently there were no motorways in the northwest in October 1961. The roads around Morecambe Bay were among the country's worst for a late dash by car through driving rain. Yeah. 
It's raining as well, Christ. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't mention that earlier. You should, it shows how good a story it is. Mm. That Wardy hasn't mentioned the weather until like two thirds of the way through. Um, it's like he's realised, oh crap, I haven't mentioned the best yeah. throw in. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. It was also raining. Mentioned it. The team reached Holker Street at 5.30pm, which of course was the negotiated delayed kickoff time. And the players still needed to change. I'm not being funny. They could have done that on the plane, surely. On the plane or in the four cars? Got there and gone, oh yeah, by the way, lads, we need to get changed. Have a bit of supper. (laughs) (laughs) Warm up. (laughs) Yeah, might stretch our legs for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking the piss now, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, fair play to them getting there Mm. at half past. Yeah, they have made it in time. Gillingham, as you can appreciate, were not ideally prepared to play their fourth division match. They'd been up early, stuck in traffic on a coach, forced to hang around, shepherded onto a plane. The first time some of them had ever been on a plane, Wardy Knights in brackets, which is quite exciting or potentially petrifying for them. (laughs) Driven rapidly through the countryside and told to change as quickly as they could upon arrival. So the game's going to start and, you know, as as someone who has played football fairly regularly, fairly recently, Mm. if you've just turned up after that, like, what are you fancying the chances of of pulling out of the bag? Not not very high. Um, And they must know that because travelling is one of them weird things that does make you knackered, even though there's no sort of good reason for it. So... Tough to try and play professional sport as well. Yeah. Maybe skip this one. Yeah. So, half time, they were five goals down. Oh, gosh. How deflating. <laughs> Got to go do it all in reverse as well, get them back. Yeah. Well, how are they going to get back at that time? I don't think they could. No. The problem now was the daylight was descending. By the 74th minute, when Barrow were leading 6-0, referee Mr Jobling from Morecambe felt it was too dark for football. He allowed an extra couple of minutes under Barrow's makeshift training lights. Just time for Barrow's seventh goal. (laughs) but then abandoned the game shortly after 7 o'clock with about 15 minutes left. Ah, kind of doesn't feel worth it, does it? <laughs> that, is, that is so sad. So, yeah, you were right. The, the full-time whistle did not, not uh, happen. The Football League ruled that the 7-0 scoreline should stand as a result. And... Gillingham obviously just had to, you know, absorb all the cost, mental trauma, probably sickness bugs of the lads who'd never been on the plane before. God mm. knows how they got home. I'm guessing, you know, the, the Barrow lads probably put them up in digs or something. Maybe they just stayed in the clubhouse and drank numerous pints of ale just to get over the horrendous day, maybe. Just, yeah. Left, would probably you? be a good laugh. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that that's the only thing that would make up for it, isn't it? And if that wasn't bad enough, this this is the sequel. This is the sequel. This is the the sequel to my uh, film pitch. Gillingham's next game was away at Carlisle United, an even longer journey. Good God. Potentially stay there. (laughs) Yeah, just stay for the week. Thankfully, on this occasion, they set off in good time and won the game 2-1. Yes. The moral of the story. Plan ahead. I like that because that's, um, yeah, that that bit of redemption for them. It's it's not often we get a nice sort of conclusion to to these stories. Wadi just usually stops talking and that's it. We get annoyed at it. 
We'll give him the benefit of the doubt because it was such a good story. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah. I mean, what did what did you think of that one? And I liked it. Um, similar to what you said at the start, though, it wasn't a remarkable match or a strange match. I mean, it was strange in the sense that Dillingham's players were all knackered and they couldn't move because they'd all been travelling for twelve hours or wherever it was to get there. Um. But other than that, it's just a funny travel story. Like one of those Top Gear challenges like back in the day where they used to have to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just the idea of trying to beat the clock to get there. When I was sat reading yeah. it for the first time, it was like really exciting. I was like thinking, God, they're never going to make this. They're never going to make this. And then they did make it, but... yeah. The, the tragedy of not being able to finish the game. But then again, if they're 7-0 down with 15 to go, what, what's going to happen, I guess? At least the the Football League made a sensible decision to count the result rather than making them play it again. Yeah. It's not the first time that a result has stood despite the game being abandoned while we've been covering this book, which mm. makes me wonder if they've changed the rules slightly to these days because... Yeah, I mean, obviously, games don't really get abandoned anymore. But they, they I don't suppose get, when tra- yeah. travel was harder back then, travel, yeah, travel was harder. I think last time we discussed this was when I was saying about uh, Dover traveling to Mac and it got called off because of fog. And for them, that was obviously a huge journey. And both mm. both of them at the time were clubs with zero pounds, zero pence in the bank. So to have to organise another trip, another match. Is obviously quite a big deal, isn't it? Really, mm. but it does make you wonder if if there's like maybe if there's a three goal deficit and it's after half time, they, sh- they maybe could call it. Mm. If you were the chairman, yeah, it yeah. if you were the chairman of a skint football team. Your team was 3-0 down and a game got abandoned after 55 minutes. The the ref comes over and says, you know, mutual agreement that the result will be 3-0. Are going to take the loss or are you going to go, no, we'll come back next we'll, week. We'll, we'll yeah, risk, and risk financially crippling ourselves to get a better result. I guess it depends what it means. If you're a mid-table team and it's end of the season and there's not really much to play for, yeah. maybe you know you don't mind a three-nil defeat. It's not really going to make much difference. But if you're top of the table and it's a shock result, then I guess you'd fight it all the way, wouldn't you? Mm, there we go. Yeah, sussed it. If you're a mid-table team, you're three-nil down. Yeah. It's gone half time, and it gets abandoned. Just call it quits. Just maybe that should be a rule anyway. Just think, oh, sorry, we'll just declare like uh, in cricket. Yeah, yeah. I've had enough. I wonder if you could forfeit it in football. If you were like eight nil down, could you just wave a white flag and walk off? Like in boxing. Yeah, that could be one because we were making some rule amendments at one stage in our podcasting career, weren't we? We were going to mm. write, write to the FA some of our proposals. Well, it's sort of an unwritten rule where if it gets to, I don't know, you're three or four nil down, you can just go back to the pub. I think that's <laughs> the sort of widely accepted one, isn't it? But yeah. it's, we, we need it written into law. <laughs> yeah. Certainly as a fan, that's exactly what you'd do. Gotcha. <laughs> fan law dictates if you're not getting anything out of the game, if you don't even think your team's going to score, just get down the pub, avoid yeah. the queues. I remember when, when I went to Millwall away with, with Rovers and they had a man sent off after about five minutes mm. and it was got battered. I think it was 3-0 and then they Millwall scored a fourth with about two minutes to go and loads of people got up and it's like, oh, come on, we're, we're going. Well, two minutes to go. I've sat through... Oh, yeah. crap all this far. I might as well stay to the end. <laughs> yeah. Did they get a consolation goal? No. It, by the time I sort of argued the toss about waiting to the end, the referee blew the whistle and then finished anyway. So it was only would have been like a minute and a half or something. Would have been nice if, if all the lads would have left, you'd have stayed and 
could have got a couple of goals just to send send you home with. Yeah, too right. Uh, no chance. Not with Bristol Rovers. No. <laughs> Not happening. Um, so yeah, I I think. It, it's definitely it's it's not it's not peak football, but it's it's peak storytelling, I think, so far. Fab as stories go, as travel and sort of general sort of misadventure go, it was great. You could, like I say, definitely imagine it as a, a film or a Netflix series with with all some of the lads who'd never been on the plane before chucking up, and yeah. you know. The anxious lads who are just like, come on, clock watching, making sure that they have the the coach ready, the the, the private cars ready. You get some funny comedy actor as the police escort to just drive them through. There's money to be made from this. We can definitely do it. Yeah, comic actors, Jim Carrey, or if we're thinking just UK, <laughs> maybe Rob Brydon, Steve Coogan, one of them. They're always good fun, aren't they? Rob Brydon, yeah, yeah, he he definitely do a job as the. Police escort. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, the sort of um, befuddled coach driver trying to get these players <laughs> there and it's, oh, everything's going wrong. Yeah. Let's oh, not say too much because we can pitch this, can't we? Yeah. Maybe this is the twist then. If it's a six part, the six parts of each leg of the journey on a different method of transport and Rob Bryden yeah. is, the, is, the, <laughs> is the, the driver, the train. Uh, conductor, the pilot. Yeah, each each like playing that. a very different, but, also very noticeably similar character. <laughs> the police escort as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this. It's definitely got legs. And then they, they turn up at the pitch, and who do you think the referee is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet him. We'll tweet him. We'll tag him in this episode, and say <laughs> you've got to listen to the whole thing to find out what your next perfect job opportunity is, but it'll be worth it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Pick ones, mayonnaise. Quality mayonnaise, dips, dressing, and sauces that are mixed with love and flair. Pick what you want. Oh, yeah. But no, for now, I think we should move on. I think we've got one more in us, and... I'm pleased to say that what will probably be our last Wardy story of the year is going to be taking place in a blizzard. Good. Wardy winter weather warning. The four W's. <laughs> which, as we know, Wardy loves a, well, inclement weather. It's his main favourite thing, isn't it? Yeah. do 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 <laughs> Inclement weather. So this one is farewell in a blizzard, which sounds a bit ominous as well. Yeah, and its crew. It's 1962, and that'll it... do. I, there we go. <laughs> I was hoping there was another rhyme. <laughs> the first sentence is one that he definitely had a lot of joy in writing. Here it is. Crew in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> That's his opening sentence. Sets the scene. Fine. Okay. It, it, it sets the scene. It does sound, as you say, quite bleak, quite um, sinister. Um, yes. you, can Im- you can imagine the sort of the white text on a black screen, can't you? Just as, yeah. as, as the stars of our ne- Netflix six-parter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crew in the snow. 
it seemed like the last place on earth. <laughs> and it was literally for the visitors. Literally? Mm. Oh, dear. A few days after this match, Accrington Stanley died. Oh, God. This was the club's final match. Mm. Make, let's make it a good one. Yeah. As a game, sadly, it was ordinarily one-sided. Hey. <laughs> well, that's not Wardy's fault, to be fair. <laughs> no, it's not. Cruz Terry Teague, a former Accrington player, sportingly did his best to give his former club a first-minute boost. His back pass was cleared off the goal line, but thereafter, it was one-way traffic towards the Accrington goal. So, yeah, this is just going to be a pummeling in the snow just as your club's about to fold. Yeah, sad times. The true Christmas spirit we're bringing out here. Yeah. And then a bold claim here from Wardy. And he says, the coldest man in crew that day was Jack Ferguson. Fine. I mean, let me see your data, but fine. Got the thermostat out, didn't he? Yeah. The home team's goalkeeper, stranded alone in a snowstorm as Crew scored four times at the other end. Yeah, being a goalkeeper in the cold, like those kind of conditions, I empathise with, with Jack Ferguson. So here's here's a two-part question. Do you reckon there's time to make a snowman? <laughs> in 45 minutes. Yeah. It'd be a small one. Right. Second part of the question: Is it legal to make a snowman in the goal? See the like the goalkeeper's cap on like the off the, the the corner flag and stuff. I think it's an offside flag. That doesn't make any sense. The corner flag and stuff and the referee always used to be counted and classified as parts of the pitch. So if it like that's why do you remember when I think it was Darren Bent's score? Then it hit a beach ball and went in. That counted because it's classed as part of the pitch. If it hit like a, I don't know, a, a bottle that someone had thrown on and it, it, no one had moved it and it hits it and goes in, it's fine. It counts because it's part of the pitch. So yeah. a snowman would just be part of the pitch, I think. But then is it in the spirit of the game? Because you could just essentially just build a wall in your own goal instead, couldn't you? That's, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. If there's nothing to do, just build a really thick wall and then just... Yeah, go, go for a jog or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, maybe if there's a referee listening, you can get in touch. Yeah, give us a shout. Let us know. Would you stand for that on your pitch? Mm. Right. Accrington Stanley was saved from an even bigger defeat than 4-0 by goalkeeper Alex Smith, who, according to one report, was in the £15,000 class. So he was good. Yeah, is that oh, what wealthy. It I don't know. Do you reckon, do you reckon, playing a football as a podcast is in the fifteen thousand pound class? Well, looking at the sponsorship we get, no. But you know, maybe you got to back yourself, haven't you? Maybe in the fifteen pence club. Yeah, I mean the listeners listenership has been up recently, so yeah, maybe mm. we'll get someone with some money, a wealthy benefactor. If ever we start a Patreon, we should call mm. it the fifteen thousand pound class. Fifteen thousand pound. Class, yeah, nice. And then just to give it some perspective, not far below the 23.5k Harry Gregg goalkeeping record. As in transfer fee record, this is terribly worded. Yeah, I'm guessing it's probably saying that he's he's worth almost as much as the record goalkeeper, I think is what he's saying. Um, yeah, which was 23,000 at the time, right? Okay, that's fine. But also, it's I mean, strange. why that come into it? I yeah. don't anyway. Hmm. But also, if, if Eckridge and Stanley are about to go bust, why don't they just sell him? He's worth 15k. <laughs> if that's big money back then, get him sold. But I guess, mm. yeah, they'd probably lose by more than 4 0, as, as he says. Smith nearly mm. didn't play at crew, relying on a late dash by car to join the team at Nutsford after missing the team coach. <laughs> but compared to the last story, I died. Simple that, isn't it? Jump in the car and drive up. At least it was close. Well, yeah, exactly. To add to this, he had just moved into a new house 
<laughs> and must have been looking forward to a career with his new club. A few days later, he was out of a job. So, yeah. you know, was it? Absolutely. No, no. On the Monday after the Friday game at Crew, Accrington Stanley held a meeting at Creditors, of Creditors, sorry. The news was worse than anyone had anticipated. Unsecured creditors were owed over £43,000. And yeah, not good. obviously, 60s money to us is just like, you know, there's no real point of reference. But don't worry, because Wardy's give us one. 43 get grand is more than the cost of Brian Clough's big news transfer from Middlesbrough to Sunderland around the same time. So, so I mean, more, more than the highest transfers that we're knocking about. Yeah, for one of the top players at the time. Yeah, it's still um, you get you get the gist. Yeah, Accrington Stanley could no longer compete with the seven Lancashire clubs in the first division. Well, yeah, they, I mean they're in the fourth division by this point, so that's that's obvious, really. Yeah, the league had lost one of its founding members. Oh yeah, of course, because they were one of the original founding members of the football league, weren't they? Accrington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's quite sad, I suppose. The first of the big, old, historic clubs to go down the pan mm. in 1962. Um, the directors had been paying the players' wages for many months. Really respect that because you'd never get that now. It's usually the other way around, isn't it? Players are the first to stop being paid. Yeah, they'd sort of just take a, a, a payment break or something just till things got sorted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now they needed an immediate £400 to prevent the cutting off of telephone, gas, electricity and water. I'm not sure why they're bothering keeping all this stuff going if the club's gone bust. No. Maybe someone might, they might get a phone call that Saves the club, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they didn't want anyone else having that telephone number. <laughs> it was a good one, yeah. yeah. We, we printed it on all our business cards. Yeah, yeah. Some old lady living in, in the Wirral gets a call from from some businessman saying, <laughs> I've got 50 grand here for you if you want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. They, they yeah ask them if the game's on on the weekend. <laughs> Imagine how annoying that would get. Um, when the players reported on Tuesday they were told the sad news but no training was possible anyway because the water pipes were frozen so I don't know if that's meant to be a light relief or an an extra kick in the teeth well you have to get there and it's freezing yeah and they're all like they've been paying the phone bill still oh yeah that's true could have done a ring round the players stood around and kicked their heels while a tradesman's van came to collect the club's washing machine. <laughs> That's very sad. Now, we, we, sh- we shouldn't laugh, but it's very funny. Imagine all just sat in the dressing room like, what the hell are we going to do now? And then you just get, you get these guys, excuse me, lads, <laughs> taking the washing machine. I mean, Christ. Why is that the first thing someone thought of? Maybe they just bought it new. How many payments did they have left on the washing machine? Yeah, it's the first thing. The repo men are coming in. But yeah, (laughs) after three days of mourning, there was another attempt to resurrect the club with yet another Save Stanley campaign. There was no success this time. So it's obviously just one of those things where they've probably announced we're about to go bust. Someone's chucked a few quid in. Oh, that's run mm. out. We're about to go bust again. And then after, you know, the 10th time or the 5th time or whatever, everyone's just like, oh, I'll, I'll put a bid in on the auction for the washing machine, but that's about it, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose some of this must ring quite familiar from when Mac were in the difficulties that they, they had. Apart from we had the opposite things. We had a rich owner living in a mansion in, in FIFA just not just refusing outright to pay anyone. Oh, I see. He had loads, <laughs> loads of washing machines. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think he had a tower of them. But no, that was the end of Accrington Stanley. They had to resign from the Football League and the club had played its last game on a snowy, eerie night in Crewe. 
Merry Christmas. Sad times. But, you know, we know the outcome of it isn't all bad because they're back and doing well at the moment. So, yeah. you know, that's... Uh, and they managed to keep their name too, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. And they've probably got washing machines and dryers now. Loads of washing machines. Yeah. So, you know, again, we always like to pick out morals of the story. Um, there's got to be one there about you might lose your washing machine when you're at your hardest times, but eventually you'll come back a new person with multiple appliances. Yeah, something like that. There's probably a, a snappy Call way of saying it, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start writing some Chinese fortune hmm. cookies. Yeah. <laughs> About washing machines. All washing machine themed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Half of them would just say not machine washable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the end of the Wardy saga for 2022. Covered a lot. It's been a good old, uh, a good old ride here. Christ, we need to get back into some of our other specials because they're always quite interesting too. Oh yeah, well we've got the Christmas special, haven't we? Around the corner, which oh, one, Christmas one... special. We've yeah. got a few guests lined up to come on to do some talking about various countries, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, so that'll be good. I might have a player interview coming up, so we'll see about that. Watch this space. What Lionel Messi? Yeah, well, he's a bit busy at the moment, so I said I said I'd give him a couple of weeks and then yeah. give him a shout. Everyone, everyone's saying on social media that he's completed he's got other, other football. No, no, I mean, what would you say is the closest you've come to completing football? Me personally, as a player, yeah, ah, completing football. I mean, I don't get to do a lot of it really. Um, I've saved a few penalties in my time when I was playing in goal. That was that, that, that was always fun because that's quite yeah. quite good. I've yeah. never scored, so that's a shame. So that's what you need to do to complete football. I think so. Saved a penalty, so you've stopped a goal. Mm. So now you got to score one. Well, I, I'm playing at fullback now, I'd, I'd like to think I stopped more than just those goals. But yeah, but a penalty yeah. you can scientifically mm. prove you stopped the goal. Definitely, it's more conclusive. You're right, it's more direct involvement, isn't it? Um, what else? How else can you complete football? I don't know, some sort of... You need to do some kind of once-in-a-lifetime weird didn't, fluke. Didn't you play um, play at Goodison recently? I did play at Goodison, yeah. Which is your supported club. That must be some yes. sort of like bucket list thing, I guess. Yeah, and especially when it's gone. We've only got another season left there, so once that's done and they turn it into flats or a big little or something then um yeah. you know it's it's, it's going to be nice to look back and bore my daughter to the death of it played at goodison saved a penalty mm. watched your team abroad in europe mm. um run your own football podcast yes there you go you've completed football i'm you getting there messy hasn't done any of those things none of those things if that time when you knocked the ball away from me when we were in the crowd and I was about to head it, if you'd have let me head it, that would have been it. I would have been closer to, to completing football. I reckon. Head Heading, the match ball, yeah. Head the match ball as a fan. I still, I think, I think, yeah, I think playing at Goodison is probably better. Well, that. yeah, that was good as well. But tell you what, if you guys, if any of the listeners um, have got any ideas of what, else can be classed as completing football let us know yeah give us a hand because we're clearly struggling um you can email us at pints of football 2015 at gmail.com and, and just to bear in mind that completed football for the for the for the common man for the normal person you know oh yeah 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 Allen door world cup all that stuff it's, there's no excitement in that we're, we're talking about Nearly heading a ball at Western Supermare. That's what. That's the level we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll create. Maybe that'll be our next thing. Then, Bax, we'll create the ultimate top ten things you need to do to complete football. You know what I'd like to see, but I've never actually seen it in the flesh. I've only seen like little videos and stuff of it. When someone's not paying attention in the crowd, and the ball either knocks their coffee out their hand or their glasses off their face or something like that. 
Oh my god! I went to the last game I went to was uh, West Ham women's team against Birmingham City, and where I was sat was right behind the brick wall of the ground, mm. and the ball went about six inches from my face. Bloody it was hell. one of those where she literally blasted it, and you just heard the thud of the wall bounced away. All of the crowd turned and looked at me because they thought it hit me in the face. And I was just sort of sat there like, I probably would have died. Because <laughs> the impact, wow. it would have hit me in the face, probably popped my nose. I would have mm. smashed my head on the back of the brick wall. Oh, yeah, you'd have known about it. So, yeah, it was um, maybe that counts as towards completing football. Had a near-death experience at a women's football match. Add it to the list, definitely. Yeah, that's that's got to be it. That's our New Year's challenge. We need to create the top ten bucket list of um, completing football. Yeah, there you go. Then you didn't mention the Twitter. Mention the Twitter. Oh yeah, we're still on Twitter. We're still getting towards a thousand followers. That was it. Tom said, "When we get to a thousand followers, he's going to drink an alcoholic Bovril." No, that was so, it. Yeah, he's going to. That... No, he's going to have Bovril Slammer, which includes. <laughs> the paste <laughs> paste in your eyes or whatever it was <laughs> paste in your eyes turn out your nose oh. yeah <laughs> we'll film it for the air uh, for the patreon so everyone can see twiglets in your ears <laughs> twiglets are great get, get invest in some twiglets they're lovely I'm like, well, if you said there's only two packets in the whole of the West Country, then mm. maybe I'll have to start searching. There must be a seasonal thing. I don't remember, remember them being just a Christmas time thing, but maybe they are. Yeah, it's like everyone always gets those, what are they called? Um, matchsticks or matchbox or whatever they're called, those mint chocolate things. I know what you mean. Matchmakers. Matchmakers, that's it. Everyone gets them at this time of year, don't they? You never see them knocking around in shops normally. Oh, that's true. And after eight. Anyway, we don't don't need to descend into just various <laughs> Christmas snacks. Mince I know pies. Talk about God. <laughs> Christmas pudding. Right, that's, that's enough. That's enough. We've bored them for long enough. Yeah, go on, give us a jack. A mate of mine messaged me about this large hole filled with water. I know he means well. Hey. Bye, everyone. Merry Christmas and. Happy festivities. Network.